Hey guys, Nicolette here with Insomnicat Media. Today, Brian and I are going to chat with MakerBot CEO Nadav Goshen about all things MakerBot, including its transformation. Nadav will also talk to us a little bit about the importance of storytelling in your company's strategy. And we'll also get some tips for aspiring entrepreneurs. So stay tuned. Hi, I'm Nicoletta Mino with Insomniacat Media, and Brian and I have an exciting guest on today. Uh, Nadav Goshen, CEO of MakerBot, joins us today. Hi, Nadav. How are you? Hey, how are you guys? Thank Good. You how are for, you? For coming on. Um, for the audience who doesn't know much about MakerBot or yourself, can you first start out and tell us a little bit about yourself and your experience and the road that led to MakerBot? Sure. Um, I'm... I joined MakerBot about four years ago, um, and in my past, uh, what I used to do is turn around, uh, mostly in the software and SaaS space, uh, and I was also advising to the board of Stratasys, which is the parent company of MakerBot at that time, uh, and um, I think they asked me to join and lead MakerBot about uh, four years ago. And uh, I think my experience is mainly in transforming digital uh, businesses uh, into new areas and, and focus mostly on product and go-to-market aspects of the business. And, and uh, I'm happy to do so for MakerBot. Awesome. Now, I mean, Very your exciting. skills do range quite a bit, though, Nadav. Uh, you know, you've got a tech background, you've got a product background, you've got a marketing background. You know, what do you attribute that rounded skill set to? Personally, um, you know, like there is this, uh, I think, ten thousand uh, hours uh, rule, <laughs> and so I started. <laughs> I started coding when I was uh, twelve and thirteen, about 10, twelve or thirteen years old, and uh, so mm -hmm. I have like a very in-depth, uh, at least software technical background, uh, and I was driven to technology, um, you know, from very early on. My father is like an engineer, an electrical engineer. So like I've, by, you know, from very young, I was driven by two main, I would say, areas. Uh, one is technology and the other is art and photography. And, and, and kind of that drove me uh, throughout my career to find ways to combine it. And I think entrepreneurship and I would say product and marketing related to companies are a great match to my expertise. Right. So, so that's, that's interesting because I sort of grew up in a very similar thing. I started coding really young. Now, um, and it wasn't my father, but one of my good friend's father was an EE. And actually what was nice is that we, had a, we were able to use a lot of the tools he had. Did you experience that where you were able to use, access some of the tools and the computer and the coding pieces he had to build other stuff out of when you were young? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's an interesting story. Like, you know, I got my first computer uh, for my bar mitzvah when I was 13, mm -hmm. and that was like, you know, the gift that changed my life. And and right. and, and, and my father had a lot and still have a lot of, uh, you know, cool tools laying around, uh, you know, the uh, the house, and, and I played around with that. And And I think, like, you know, when connecting it to you know either what we do here at MakerBot or what I believe in, you know when you have access mm -hmm. early 
at early age for all of these, you know, tools and, and, and tech enablers. Uh, I think you develop skills that would have not been uh, developed otherwise. And, and, and I think mm -hmm. this kind of hands-on experience uh, is a very important part of education. Um, and by the way, and, and, and this is what contributes to, I would say, myself, because it's not only the formal education, it's also the mistakes mm -hmm. and, and, and all of this uh, improvisation that you uh, experience. And when you're young, you are very not limited uh, by any constraints. So you, you, you tend to you know, push boundaries and try to do things that teach you a lot. Absolutely. So of all of these hats that you wear, I mean, which has been the most challenging for you? Which, which is the one that really really uh, makes you sweat a little bit. <laughs> uh, so, well, by the way, like, I wish it was only one, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, being, being a CEO of a tech company uh, in a transition mode, uh, you know, it requires a bit of, uh, I would say, endurance. Um, uh, but but let's look at about MakerBot. I think MakerBot was, um, you know, build upon a promise of a consumer offering and and mm -hmm. and when when I took on board uh, you know I think that promise uh, my I would say my interpretation of it at that time was that this promise will not be fulfilled at the very near future and so we have we had to pivot away from it uh, just because the technology was not mature enough uh, mm -hmm. and I would say the customer needs were not as strong as in other areas. So I think looking at that and in my strategic hat at that time was how do I take something that was built for, I would say, a certain area and transform it into something else. And so that was, that was challenging. And, and I think we then decided to focus on education and professionals uh, as, as target industries and kind of move away from a B2C into a B2B company. Uh, and, and, and that's not an easy transformation to make. Well, actually, this kind of, you know, when I'm thinking actually leads, you know, you lead into one of the questions we had, um, you know, make about undergone some changes, which you mentioned. And so what we'd like to know is how is the new technology that the company is putting out really a symbol of the overall evolution and its mission. Oh, that's a great question. I think you know, the, the, you know, I'm looking at the, the, and the, you know, the wall in front of me, and I think uh, mm -hmm. the mission of Makerbot uh, is that there is an innovator uh, in everyone, and, and I think that vision uh, still, uh, you know, I would say encompass everything we do here in Makerbot, and. But we changed the way and and uh, mission uh, that we are that we are, you know, supporting to 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 deliver that vision. And and when you look at the roadmap of Makerbot, you know, at the beginning there were like kind of wooden uh, kit printers. And when you look at Method and Method X today, you see a professional machine that has I think 12 or even more um, um, PCBAs, which are like boards. In it, and everything is automated, and 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 it produces uh, ABS parts, which were not 
available in any price point uh, uh, until Method X uh, came to life. Uh, so, so it's a it's a it's a huge evolution, and it took us many years to develop this method platform. And and but the merit of it was trying to get something which is inaccessible to the market, uh, and that was mm -hmm. the origin of MakerBot. They wanted to drive 3D printing uh, and make it more accessible. Uh, at that time, it was for the consumer space. And what we did now, we took an industrial-grade system, which was inaccessible because it was very expensive, and it still is very expensive, and not very easy to use, and made it uh, in, uh, I would say, a third of the price, and something that you can operate without any manual, and just you know follow our online instruction, uh, on-screen on screen instructions, um, on, on, on the machine itself. So, and I think this enables many more applications that were unlocked just because the technology was not accessible. So that accessibility and I would say user experience thread, you know, relies all the way from the beginning of MakerBot up to Method. Um, but the technology is a completely different one. Uh, and, and I think, how do you take something that was, at the beginning was, I would say, not very tech and focus uh, company and make um, make about what it is today, which is like, I would say, one of the the, the front lines in, in, in 3D printing technology and taking something that is, let's say, available in the market for like 10 times more more expensive than what we have today in method required a lot of investment and making sure that you are still delivering on that spec and performance that is expected from a professional grade printer. So do you see, um, so I guess how do you see, you know, as, you know, especially in, in certain spaces, right, in technology spaces, especially in electronics, we see a lot of people starting to 3D print certain things. Um, how do you see that affecting, like, uh, you know, in the future, like procurement and the supply chain? Like we see there's 3D printers on, you know, on the, you know, in using, being used by NASA, right? So how do you think that's going to change as people are able to 3D print some of these more complicated, as 3D printers become more complicated? How is that supply chain and procurement going to evolve? You know, that, that piece of the business, do you think? Yeah, yeah. by the way, I think when you look at the market and, and 3D printing in general, mm -hmm. there are like a very clear differentiation uh, between uh, what we call, like, let's say, desktop printers and, and professional mm -hmm. industrial ones. So desktop printer right. print in PLA plastic, which is like a biodegradable, uh, uh, you know, polymer. Um, so mm -hmm. this is not the plastic uh, that is being used in all of the products that we uh, you know use on on, on a day-to-day -day basis and that that's a specific blend that was made for 3d printing for desktop 3d printing um, right. but it's it's not for manufacturing when mm -hmm. you look at the in the in the industrial side and there is what we call or what what is an abs plastic which is the plastic that we all know this is the one that has been injected molded in all of the you know products around us, and um, mm -hmm. so and to have a, a 3D printer that supports ABS without compromising on, you know, mechanical properties or geometry freedom, uh, was required an investment of an industrial printer. With Method X, I think we bring it 
to a wider reach and because the I would say the, the investment required to really get something that can manufacture and use parts became now let's say a quarter of the equivalent price and what this means is that like more small organizations and companies can now tap into additive manufacturing and which was not accessible for them before and and, and I give an example and you're talking about how is that going to change supply chain and is like a company that that we is our customer and they use uh, method X to print housing equipment for uh, you know their electronic devices that are being spread across uh, fields agricultural fields in, in the US and and they use method X to print the housing on what we call a limited run and use parts so right their equivalent for them was to either set a manufacturing line or to outsource it to a different company or to a service bureau and 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 then it's a different process different timeline and probably is more limiting than having an access in-house to what we call a manufacturing workstation and that's going to change manufacturing because many more participants in manufacturing can now start and you know and open to smaller production runs um, than before and so supply chain you know parts you know we're talking about you know you know replacement parts so you need to you know manufacture them in batches and 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 have them stored somewhere and and then you need to manage it and and deliver it across i don't know the world because there is some missing part in i don't know india and right. it's being stored in the us so all of this carbon footprint um that you know tails to that part can potentially mm -hmm. disappear if you just print it on demand in the location right. that you need it. yeah okay. oh, very so, cool so so i think we will see more so we'll see more and more stories and use cases like that additive mm -hmm. manufacturing will become more and more accessible so in addition to what we just talked about with supply chain, um, you know, we'd, we'd love to hear your thoughts on 3D printing trends, you know, and what you consider to be a big focus in the industry and for MakerBot currently, right now, at this time. Yeah, so, so you know, I think the main, as a, you know, the main, I would say, overarching trend in 3D printing is, I would say, accessibility, uh, in in which you know, you take an exclusive technology and you make it um, in a way that can be open to a wider reach. And, and, and I think that's a thread that, by the way, it's not only for 3D printing, it's for all of the, I would say, the complex technologies. At the at start, it becomes something like a mainframe, you know, like we talk about computing, like it starts as a mainframe that is like, you know, very complicated to operate and and, and it's also, um, you, you know, probably, uh, you know, the cost of it is, is like, is inaccessible for even a company, mid-sized company. And then as time passes, this technology becomes more and more, uh, I would say, affordable and easy to use and until it reaches, uh, you know, eventually a consumer level, if that is the case. So I think that that's something that happens 
uh, with 3D printing. And of course, down that path, um, you know, there are few aisles to take. One, the aisle that compromises on the performance and on the results. So say we can take it and make it cheaper, and, but we are compromising on uh, the performance. And the other is like we're trying to do it and, and keep and, and make sure that we're still delivering on that original, uh, I would say, uh, technology um, that was delivered. So, so this is something that is happening. I think we, we are, MakerBot is in the front of it, and I think that's something that can continue to happen. On the other hand, is just adding more and more materials. You know, it, as I said, it started in like, uh, the desktop one started in PLA, and, and we know that there are companies now that print in metal. So all of this material advancement um, is very important, and, and, and I think it will open more and more and more applications uh, for additive manufacturing. And so we need to combine these two major trends, which is like making it more accessible uh, at one hand and adding more and more material capabilities on the other hand. I think the future of additive manufacturing and 3D printing is really limitless. Um, and, and, and I think this is what I think the reason that 3D printing is very exciting uh, and is because of that, I would say, futuristic um, uh, kind of appeal and that 3D printing has. And I think it will fulfill um, all of these expectations. It might take, and it did take, more than expected. Uh, and I think like at the beginning, people, like every hyped or I would say innovative technology, there is this mm -hmm. cycle when, when people believe in it and they think that it will be quicker than it will at the end happen. Right. Uh, so also 3D printing had the same cycle. Like at the beginning, everybody was so excited and they thought like, hey, in two years we're going to you know, scrap everything and everybody will print uh, you know, their spare parts uh, in, in their basements. But that's not mm -hmm. the case. And it's okay. not the case even in the next two years. But, but, but still, mm -hmm. the potential is there. Mm -hmm. Well, Nadav, you tell an, an amazing story about, you know, just in this short time about your road to MakerBot, about the MakerBot, MakerBot evolution and, and the future of 3D printing. And we love storytelling. So, I mean, you, you also mentioned storytelling a little bit, you know, on LinkedIn. And we would just like to hear, you know, is there a way, if at all, that you weave storytelling into your current leadership role at MakerBot? Because we believe everybody and every company has a story to tell. So that's a really important question for us. <laughs> no, but by the way, I think, you know, strategy and storytelling uh, goes hand to hand. Uh, because if you cannot communicate your strategy, um, then you cannot, you know, uh, drive anything uh, forward. And I think this is part of how I think storytelling is important in business. And, and you know, I study cinematography, uh, which is all about storytelling. Um, mm -hmm. and, 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 and I think the basics of, uh, you know, tragedy and comedy were written in, in, in Rome, uh, you know, at, 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 at that time. And everything from now, from that time on is a variation of it. And, and, and I think it created a world and of you know of that around us, and I think if you are not capable of taking your strategy and communicate it in clear way 
uh, to a wider group, um, then there is no way for you to succeed in business. And 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 and, and I think MakerBot and any other company that is going through a transition has to be much more focused on that aspect uh, because it is, it's it's a change. And change management, it's not only changing, you know, um, you know, technology behind what we do. It's also changing how people think and operate. Um, and and the way to do so is by enabling them to really understand what's behind what they're doing. And and that's valid for every business. And but it's extremely important when you do a transition. And so for 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 a company that is undergoing a transition, the articulation of why we do things and how is that uh, should be, I would say, um, encompasses into every everyone's part of the journey is very important. Um, so, so I, I truly believe in, in that aspect of, I would say, management, uh, which is uh, clear storytelling. Which for me, that's part of strategy. Absolutely. So, what what one piece of advice would you actually give, like young entrepreneurs or young engineers, you know, that are that are just starting their their tech company? You know, I think the the the, the best, you know, like all of the advices, like you know, are already given. You know, like mm-hmm. uh, fail fast. Uh, you know, I, right, I don't right. think. Yeah, I, I think like just. Giving like another bombardic uh, world or sentence uh, will just, uh, you know, will, will not contribute <laughs> to the entrepreneurship world. Uh, but what I can say uh, from from my experience is that, you know, the people tend to analyze too much. You know, at the end of it, um, you know, uh, I believe that if you're an entrepreneur, you have some basic instinct. Or basic appeal mm-hmm. for something, and if you don't follow it, you just become like all of the larger corporations that have much more budget than you to do research and 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 and, and get you into a conclusion. So, entrepreneurs are in this stage of life or cycle of a company, and that is very well suited for taking risks. So, I, I think I think that's part of being an entrepreneur: take risks. And 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 trust your guts and instincts, and and make decisions based on that. You know, to an extent that you are mm-hmm. simple and, and and analyzing, and you know, the, the decisions, but trying to over calculate and overly think decision, that's not the right stage to do so. So, trust Absolutely. your gut. <laughs> Awesome. Well, thank you, Nadav. Thank you so much again for for talking with us. Um, it, it's it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. And uh, you know, anything else in the future? And if you want to learn more about MakerBot or uh, you know learn what we're doing, just go to makerbot.com and uh, feel free to contact me either through the company or through LinkedIn or whatever. And I'll be happy to give uh, more advices. Awesome. Thank you again. Thank Have you a wonderful Nadal. day.